Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello, I'm Kyla, and you're listening to a day of prayers morning Bible study. We're glad you could join us. Before we get in the Word, Layla, can you open us up in prayer? Absolutely. Thank you. Lord, I just thank you for today and for your goodness, Lord, and for the good weather that you've been blessing us with, Lord, and just the beauty of your creation, Lord, to be able to open our eyes in the morning and see just a small glimpse of your splendor, Lord. And I just thank you for the uniqueness of each individual, Lord, and the personality that you bless them with, their gifts and their talents, Lord, their likes and dislikes, and, Lord, I just thank you for your personality, Lord, and the things that you enjoy, Lord, and just being around you and in your presence, Lord. And I ask that you'll send your Holy Spirit to guide us and teach us as we go through these devotionals, Lord, to learn about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, this morning we're continuing our study in First Corinthians. We are in chapter 1. And we will be beginning in verse 25. So can I get a volunteer to read from verse 25 through the end of the chapter, please? Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the, weak, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. For you see your calling, brethren, that you may, that you not may, okay, sorry, let me start. <laughs> okay. For you, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty nor many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that as it is written, he who, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Mm-hmm. All right, looks like there's some questions, but that's what this part's for, right? So we're open the floor to you guys to, yes, uh, first and foremost, Minister whatever the Holy Spirit has speaking to your heart and has for for everyone, right, here in this room, but also those listening in, and to ask any questions that you have so that we can all learn and grow together, okay? Yes. All right. So, who would like to begin? I will. I have one question and a statement. My first question is... What does it mean that no flesh should glory in his presence? Oh. If you have the answer, go ahead, Layla. Yeah, if you have the answer, Layla. Okay, if you looked at the bottom of your Bible a little bit, it takes you to Jeremiah 9.24. And you want to go and read that. It says, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. And so the word glory or rejoicing, finding pride in it, Nobody can find pride in his presence. If you're going to hold a comparison of a human versus God, you're not going to stand a chance. There's no glory in it because his surpasses yours. Mm-hmm. 
But also, if you are glorying in yourself, what are you then doing? Boasting and being prideful and arrogant. Okay. And something we, we have said many times, trying to insert yourself in the place of God. Or, yes, as, as Dean was just, just pointing out, uh, put yourself above God. How can that happen? It can't. it can't. Okay, well, I won't say it can't because it does. People have, I mean, I personally have, or in my own life, put myself in that place. I was wrong to do so. I don't condone any of it, the actions, the behaviors, anything. And even though whether you want to look at it in, out of ignorance or whether it was witting and willful, lean knowing that what I was doing, it still happened. So it, it does happen. It can happen, but it should not happen. Well, it's part of the human condition. And so we're all prone to have it happen. Ideally, as we mature, it doesn't happen as often. Absolutely. It, but it's not that it happens. It's what we do when it does happen, exactly. which goes back to a few lessons back where we talked about, you know, um, surrendering every thought captive to Christ. Amen. So, so many, um, you know, the enemy loves to come and twist what has happened. If you have an evil thought, if you think for a moment God doesn't know what he's talking about, or this doesn't apply to me, or how could this be so, or any thousands of different crazy thoughts that come in that cause us to doubt God, God's not offended by that. He's offended that you pick it up and do something with it mm -hmm. instead of turn it back to Christ, get back into his word and ask him to correct our thinking in that. So don't be trapped by what the enemy would tell you that there's something wrong with you because you had that thought. Just remember, he's giving you the principles to guide you just to give it back to him and he'll, he'll help correct you and get you back in alignment in a loving way without condemnation in Absolutely. that. Thank you, Mother. Amen. And, and speaking on thoughts, something that God taught me that helped deliver me from that sense of guilt, first identify if it's accompanied by guilt, that's not coming from God. God doesn't make us feel guilty or condemn us. He convicts us, the Holy Spirit does, but he also prompts and encourages us to change and to look back unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. But also, I think we've, I've shared this with, um, with, with you guys in a podcast before a Bible morning Bible study that oftentimes when the enemy comes to us to implant thoughts, he talks in the first person. I think this, I just want to go do that. What if I, you know what I mean? And it tried to make it sound like it's our thought that is originating from us. And when God helped, first of all, shine a light on that, he, he told me the distinction between his voice him speaking to me via the Holy Spirit, but also how does the enemy come? He oftentimes, he doesn't, he doesn't make it known that he's an outside source trying to implant or inject thoughts into your mind. He makes it sound like it's you thinking that. And then when I look and examine myself and go, do I actually think that? No, I don't think that. That has nothing in me. And I take that stance. I tell you what, it's, it's set me free to such a degree when thoughts of anything that was contrary to God try to fly past my mind and see if I would take the bait in thinking I'm thinking this way. Once God showed me that I could go, I don't know. I wasn't thinking that I was actually talking about this over here, or I don't, that's not even in me. I don't even want that. The, especially like thoughts of perversion or um, anger, wrath, things like that, doubting God. I don't feel like that. So no, 
that has nothing in me. And that's what Jesus said. He said, the God of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. And so as I began to yield to the safety that I have in Jesus Christ, the safety of the faithfulness of our God, who will make sure we hold out until the end, I began to become more confident in realizing and recognizing much sooner and avoiding the guilt I could recognize the trap of the enemy, how he just, he'll bring it past. Like you, the saying, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep them from nesting. And so if the enemy can get you to think that you're having these thoughts, then you're more likely to engage them. If you think, I think this way, when in truth, no, he's just putting it past you and he's talking in the first person. And if you're not aware of that distinction, you go, man, I had that thought. And really it's just the enemy coming by to inject or insert those thoughts and see if you'll take the bait. Did that make sense? Yes. <laughs> Hopefully. So, you know, when you find out the truth of God's word, take it as, as we speak to you and we're speaking things that are revelation and uh, mysteries of God, but he's revealing them through his Holy spirit. Yeah. Ask God, does this bear witness with you, Holy Spirit? Is this the truth? And then when he confirms it, take it. Take it into your possession. As in, like Mary, when she was sitting before Jesus and Martha was cooking in the kitchen, Jesus said, Mary chose what cannot be taken away from her. She chose the better thing that won't be taken away from her. But Martha, you're busy about many things. So when you hear the word of God, take it as your own and implement it in your life and begin to stand on it. Use it as your weapon of warfare. And if God goes, nope, I said, that's not the truth. Then take that and whatever he says, stand on that. Because when you can recognize a lie, hallelujah, that's a big part of the battle. Right? Yes. Okay. Who else? Who else has something they want to share? I still have a statement. (laughs) (laughs) We'll continue. Hmm. We'll continue. Um, I also want to bring up when he was talking about the how the Lord's going to use the foolish things to break down the things that are wise. The Lord was showing me that he doesn't actually use the foolish things. It looks foolish in our own perspectives of life because we try to twist and manipulate to suit what we want instead of actually getting the correct thing. Let's say if I wanted to cook something, I just think plop in the microwave, put it for a long time, and then leave. Whereas the correct application of that would to be watch it. But I think that's uh, not smart to go watch it because it's going to take too long. But that is truly the thing that would be wise in that situation. The same is true with us. When the Lord, It may not sound logical to our minds, but it's actually the true logical thing to do in that situation. What we consider to be wise in our own knowledge is the true foolishness. So the Lord doesn't use the dumb things because he can't be dumb. <laughs> that's right. God is not dumb. That's an impossibility that he were, um, as in unintelligent, dumb, not not speaking dumb, but unintelligent. Hey, LaCharles, can you tell me how a microwave works? It's okay. A microwave, there's many waves inside of it that cooks the food. There's. Do you know what, where the waves originate? Do you know what the device is called that creates those waves? No. Okay. Do you know how to convert electricity or what hertz are in electricity? Nope. Do you know how to set a digital display for it to interact with the, the computer program that's built into it so that it controls all the devices inside of it that have to work simultaneously? Is that when you punch the numbers in? <laughs> What's that? Say is that, that when you just punch the numbers in? That's well, where you punch the numbers in. But the, the point I'm getting at is that it's interesting that we have such trust in a device that we have no idea how it works. 
we trust in the device to work. When we put something in it, we push the button, we expect it to pop that bag of popcorn, put in there. We expect to be able to walk, set the timer, walk away from it, come back and find a bag of popcorn fully popped, delicious and ready to go at it, right? Yes. We, we do that because our experience with it has been that when we use it, we get the result we want. And that's the way it should be with God's word. We should use God's word to accomplish his purposes and trust in him and grow in our appreciation of that so that the more we use it, the more we can trust it. Yes. Amen. Anything else, sweetheart? No. Layla, you got it? You ready? Yes, please. Okay. Chop it in the bit over there. <laughs> okay. Mm. Okay, verses 29 through 31, it says that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That, as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Okay, returning back to Jeremiah 9.24 for just a second. Actually, we can we can back up to verse twenty three of that chapter and read twenty four. It, it it goes together. It says, "Thus says the Lord: Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth." For in these I delight, says the Lord. If you have anything to boast about, if you're going to say anything, look at what I've done, let it be that you're found blameless and spotless in the sight of the Lord. Let it be that God is pleased with me in what I'm doing for him. I have done everything he's asked me to do in excellence and to completion. Not look at how much money I've got, how many cars I have in my garage that seven-eighths of them I don't even use. I just have them for good looks or anything else that we may find valuable on this earth. But if you're going to boast in anything, if you're going to try to hold anything up and go look at the price that I've won, let it be God is pleased with me. God has said, well done, my good and faithful servant. He gave me two talents, and I made two more off of what he gave me. Mm -hmm. And I have something to give back and present to him, not an empty bag or the same one talent that he gave me. And go, well, Lord, I knew you were a hard man and you you want to sow or you haven't scattered seed or any of those things. But, Lord, you give, you gave me these gifts. And now, because of your strength and because of the wisdom that you've equipped me with, I can make more to bring glory and honor to your name. Not, oh, hoity-toity, look at Layla because she can do math. It's God gave me the skill to do it. And mm -hmm. by doing the math, in excellence, I'm glorifying him and going, God is truth. Okay. And so what is it that God is looking for? He wants our obedience in our heart. He can work with your heart. It doesn't necessarily have to be your agreement with your head, but as long as you tell him yes, truly, um, in sincerity, he can work with that all day long. Mm. And where is it that you gain the ability to tell him yes, truly? God gives you that. Uh, when he calls you, there's already that that. 
I'd say seed in you. Like, I don't know what word. I well, can't think of it right now, but. That's okay. Let's start with the most basic principle. Without faith, it's, it's impossible, impossible to please God. God. And those that come to him must believe that he is and a reward, reward of them that diligently seek him. Mm -hmm. So we get the ability to give God our yes from or by faith. Faith, faith absolutely. So if faith is what we need, we know that we are given a measure of faith. We have enough faith to get saved. And yes. that's how we go along that process, right? We believe in mm -hmm. our heart, which is our faith. And we confess with our mouth, which is the working part of our faith. And we are saved. So we take that same process and apply it every time in our relationship with God. We believe and then we do. We believe and then we do. So when you boil it down to its most simplistic thing, if I believe you, God, then I'll obey what you said. If I trust you, believe you, I'll obey what you said. I will go where you told me to go, et cetera, et cetera. So the obedience is a result of our, the fact that we trust God and we believe mm -hmm. what he's saying to him. So it's not the starting place and neither is rote action what God desires, but he desires our heart. And then he can get us to the next destination as long as we continue to agree with him. And co cooperate with the will of the God of God. Thank you. Do you have anything else you want to say, sweetheart? Uh, oh yes. Going back to First Corinthians, sorry, I didn't okay. tie that in. Um, when it says in verse thirty, but of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So in Christ, these are the things that you have. You have your redemption. You have your sanctification. You have the wisdom of God. It's accessible to you through Christ Jesus, but it's up to you to go and get that. You can't say, Lord, Lord, give me wisdom, and he, he gives it to you, and you never take it. It's like a me asking mommy for her cup, and she's holding the cup out to me, but I never have it until I take it and receive it. If I say, Mommy, give me a cup of water, and she's holding the glass of water to me, and I'm going, oh, I'm so thirsty. I'm going to die of thirst. If I never drink the water, it, it's not that Mommy never gave it to me. It was never provided. It's I didn't take it. Mm -hmm. So you, these things are yours in Christ, but you still have to reach out and take it. You can't go, oh, Lord, 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 and he's giving it to you. He's going, here, it's for you. It's yours. And he's slapping it out of his hands and go, Lord, give me that water back. Mm -hmm. Mr. Dean loves that. Um, the good Christian <laughs> story. And so it's like that, you know, we, we should have our eyes, our spirit man awakened and alert to perceive the blessing and the good of the goodness of the Lord coming towards us. So that way we don't refuse an opportunity that he's presenting to us. Um, did anybody else have something they wanted to say before I go on? to? The I next? do. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. <laughs> go ahead. It's good. Baby. Go for it, sir. Okay. Lord was speaking to me on verse 26, where it says, For you see your kind, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Mm. Lord is also showing me back to James 4, James 4, 7, where it says, Therefore, submit, wait, All right, James 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
the Lord was showing that it wasn't that just because the Lord was showing favoritism to the people that are weak or foolish, but that it's because he's working through the people that are humble mm-hmm. and that open their hearts to the Lord, not the people who point, who go, I'm too good for that. Mm. Amen. Well, what's that happening? I'm glad you bring this. You brought this up, sir, because let's, let's remember what's happening here and what Paul is addressing, which is what? Okay. So this week, and, and what we've covered here in this first chapter, Paul primarily is addressing well, multiple things, but the first issue that he is discussing and addressing is divisions within the body of Christ, right? Yes. Okay. There are numerous ones, yes? We, we covered them as at least three different levels or layers of, of these divisions, right? Yes. That Paulin's recovering. But what is it? He says, and you started this off, for you see your calling, right? And then as he continues, God's chosen the foolish things. And you pointed this out, people that are humble. But what was happening in the church? People were saying they were of so-and-so or the other, right? Whether that be because they were eloquent, because they seemed wise or, or whatever the case is, right? And then we were also, we even jumped to chapter 11, where it's talking about even within the church, there are those that had different um, different divisions in the church and were all but excluding other people. Or didn't we just talk about a similar, um, uh, I'll say similar aspects, the similar things that were happening and being addressed in Jude and in, in Peter? Yes. Both first and second Peter? Okay. So this has to do with our conduct as well. Which is the the primarily primary thing that Paul was first doing. It was an encouragement, right? To continue in Christ like behavior according to the will of God. Right? Your calling, the gifts, all these things that the Lord's given you to move forward in them. And yes, he's given you those things, but like anything else, right? We have to mature in them. And just because he's given us these gifts, and, and yes, some bring with them significant recognition, right? When someone comes in power and authority, as, as Paul states in, in various letters, right? When I come, I won't come in words and persuasive speech, but I will come in power and authority, as the Lord has given him, right? Yes. Even then, Paul, as his character and his conduct, which was he patterned after Christ was to show people the example set forth in Jesus, not to lead people to himself, right? So we then have to look at our own or judge our, examine our own thoughts as Dean has brought up, and which is great, but also our motivation. Why are we doing these things? Are we doing it for fame, for recognition, for whatever the case is? Or are we genuinely, sincerely doing it for our love of the Lord, 
and a desire that he be pleased and glorified in and through us on the earth. So, because it starts with us. We have to examine ourselves. But then especially for those that are in, that the Lord has, has given a calling and a place and an office and a position of power or authority, right? At whatever level that is, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's at the home or in the, in the church, why are we doing what we're doing? Are we giving the Lord free reign and access in our life and in the life of the body of Christ, the church, the thing that he founded and created? Or are we trying to take the reins and attempt to take over his place? The part that stood out to me was... Did you have something else to say, Promise? No, you can go. Oh, okay. That verse 27 and 28. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things that are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Um, I was intrigued by the fact that the Lord chose the weak things to put to shame the mighty things. It goes back to what Promise was saying in James. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. If you're haughty and prideful, God has no, you have no room in your life for God because you can't see where you have any faults or where there might be a possible error or where you can improve because you think you're infallible. Mm -hmm. And likewise, um, I believe Jesus during his ministry in the earth, he said to someone, I didn't come for the righteous. I didn't, I didn't come to save the righteous. I came to save the sinners because the righteous have no need of a savior. And to me, that's personal because it means no matter how good I think I am or how all together put together I think I am, if I, even if I think I have all my ducks in the row, one duck might still be crooked because <laughs> I do need a savior. And I, in and of myself, I don't have everything together and I'll never have everything together. I can do as much as I can and I still need the Lord to help me, to guide me, but I'll never be able to do it all on my own. And it's a reminder to always be conscious of that fact to think, wow, look at me, I'm doing something great. But to remember who it was that helped me get there. Mm-hmm. And also with a part of me saw like he uses the weak things to confound the mighty things. But it also reminded me of how Jesus told um, with the parable, he told his disciples, we must enter the kingdom of heaven like a child. Mm-hmm. They are the biggest examples. Personally, for me, I love to watch children interact and how, especially the younger they are in their developmental stages, I love to watch them and how in tune they seem to be with the Lord and how aware they are. But it seems like the older they get, the more they kind of shy away from that. Mm-hmm. But that's an, exam- an example to everyone but especially to me to be conscious and mindful 
of that fact because it's easy to get caught up in the things of the world and what's going on around us or the day-to-day, but we forget that we're supposed to be childlike and trust in the Lord in those instances and to be innocent in that regard when we approach the Lord. Amen. Amen. Leave room for him, right? Yes. And always remember that without him, there is no us. He doesn't need us to exist and to be God, but we certainly need him to exist and be us. Yes. Did you have anything else you want to say, sweetheart? No. Okay. Well, I, I enjoyed verse um, 26 and downward where it talks about us seeing our calling and just kind of gives us a perspective of what God is looking for and what he's doing. And um, in Luke chapter four, Jesus took the, he went into the temple on the Sabbath day and he was at the synagogue and he was reading from the prophet, the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he, we read those scriptures and then he closed the book. And when he closed the book, he gave it back and sat down and he said, Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So he found in the scripture where it was written of him and acknowledged that and declared that forth. And when I think of who I am before God, I like to look in the scriptures for that. I need him to, the Holy Spirit, to articulate specific things. But I also like to find in the word when God talks about the heart that he's looking for, the people that he's looking for, what he desires. I like to look at that and go, okay, Kamisha, all right. And I get encouraged by it because... He talks about um, he's chosen the weak things of the world and, you know, not many wise according to the flesh, not mighty and not noble. That sounds like me. You know, I'm I'm the youngest of my my mother's children. I'm so there's many ways that I could look and go. I'm really not that important. Not that I have low self-esteem because I don't. Um, but in, even in that going, well, I'm not rich, I'm not famous, I'm not the smartest man, I'm not a billionaire yet, you know, or whatever. I'm not what the world would deem as important. I'm not what the world would deem as anything significant. I, you know, like this says about Jesus, he had no beauty or comeliness that we should desire him. But to me, I'm just me, right? But when I look in the word and go, okay, God, you don't mind that. It doesn't bother you that I didn't come to you with all this um, personal wisdom that I acquired through life. I didn't come to you with any other natural attribute that the world would say is favorable or desirable, but you still want to use me. You can use me to do what you want to do, God, and you're happy and satisfied with that. So to look through the scriptures and find where I look like what's there gives me hope and encourages me about God's ability to take anything and make it his champion, to take any person who is just willing, humble, as you said, promise and Kyla, who is available to God and he will use us and he doesn't care about what degrees I have or don't have. He doesn't care about my experience and the fact of requiring it from me. You have to get all this and get it all pretty and right before you come to me. Then I want you. He just wants me now. And he takes me literally as I am. And as I yield to him, he, he did reshapes me and forms me into what he finds desirable and pleasing to come from me. So that just strengthens me and it encourages me because I'm like, okay, now I look like that. 
I'll, I'll take that, Jesus. And I know that you will take me to the next place of where you want me to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mama, could you talk about verse 28 real quick? Okay, in what way, sweetheart? Uh, specifically the part that says, um, in the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen in the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Mm-hmm. Specifically talking about how the world is framed by the word of God. And the Lord, we've mentioned this on a podcast before, but the Lord, especially our names, I thought the Lord was being funny. Like the Lord had a sense of humor and like my name means honest, but I've struggled with that in the past. Not saying I'm a total liar, but like if somebody said, Kyla, are your feelings hurt? No, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And clearly my feelings were hurt, but even that is wrong because I should have just said, yes, my feelings are hurt. Mm -hmm. But I thought, I was like, oh Lord, you're just being funny. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But no, he's calling me. He gave me my name giving me my end state and calling me that Mm -hmm. meaning that eventually not he'll like he'll grow me to reach that end state Mm -hmm. to reach what my name means Mm -hmm. you're gonna say something i don't know okay so yes god he does declare the end from the beginning and the beautiful thing about god is that he doesn't want us to bring our own righteousness to him he doesn't want us to go here, God, this is my perspective and you deal with it. You just you take it and make it your perspective. Now you see things my way. He doesn't say that. And he doesn't get he's not moved when we don't fully at the first moment look like what he desires and designed us to be because he meant for us to take that journey with him. So if God, whatever God says and calls you, that's who you are. And that's why it's so important for us to align our word to his word and to declare the things that he declares and make sure that we honor him and respect him and call him the truth in all ways and capacities. So Kyla. What else did you want to know about that? I want you to talk me through What's in your heart that you might need clarity on? Um, I just found it interesting because recently we've been going through a course on trusting what the Lord has said about you and fulfilling your destiny. And when I read this, I was like, well, I see what you're talking about, God. That if I, I have everything I need to be successful and to do what the Lord has called me to do, but if I had it all together and I could totally do it all on my own, he wouldn't need me. Like, there would be no real point for me to do it, I guess. It's not that it wouldn't be a point for you to do it. It's just be when we feel that we are self-made, self-contained, and self-sustained, we have a tendency to exclude God. And we don't allow him to be in his rightful place at the helm of who we are. So the person that feels as though they've got it all together is less likely, especially if got it all together within their natural ability, is less likely to open the door to the Lord and allow him to usher us into what truly gives him glory. So God, if somebody 
has all the natural attributes and God had brought this together in their life. And yet they acknowledged God and said, I'm nothing without you. God could still use that person. However, he sees fit. It's, it's a matter of, do we open the door and let God be God in our life? You know, when I was early in my days of coming to Christ, God would say, Kamisha, can you get off the throne of your own heart? Do you mind? Can I sit here? And, you know, I would find myself, if, if you can imagine, there's a throne in the middle of a room and, you know, Jesus is sitting on it. And then here I am, but kind of backing up to sit on his lap. And, you know, then all of a sudden he speaks to me and I look around and go, oh, you're sitting there, Lord. You know, I was getting ready to sit down and take my quote unquote place on the throne of my heart to become the Lord and master of my own life. Well, I don't have that ability. And he would have to remind me, get in your place. Yes, we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, but we do not replace Christ Jesus. So being welcome to come alongside him is a whole lot different than me sitting down and seating myself in the place where he belongs, where now I am making the decisions for me. I am choosing my destiny track and going, this is equal to what you said. This is the same thing. This is an equal exchange, God. Now we should we should be able to move forward when he's going, no, this only works with one head. And that is him. He is the only one qualified to lead my life. I don't have the qualifications for that. We're going to talk about qualifications. I don't have that one. I don't have the ability to die for my sins. I don't have the ability to redeem myself. I don't have the ability to restore myself. So likewise, I don't have the ability to command myself and the way that he does. Yes, I have self-control as a gift of the Holy Spirit, but I think you understand what I'm getting at. I don't get the right, I don't have the right to make my own choices apart from him because I've been bought with a price because he rightfully owns and deserves that place within my life. So I wanted to look at, um, well, oh. let's give a couple examples because Kyle brought something very okay. interesting up. Especially as it pertains to names, right? And you said, and you brought this up, honey. The Lord calls the end from the beginning. And you said, the thing that you have struggled with is the thing the Lord called you. That's the name he gave you. Yes. And it's something that you're growing into. And also in light of what the scripture says, right? Is, as we were reading in this, that verse 28, there's a growing and a maturing into that. And that's what we've been discussing here. And what Paul is saying, the Apostle Paul, you see that throughout the entirety of the word, right? Whether it was Moses. Who was Moses that he should lead the children of Israel? He was an infant that his parents sent down the river mm-hmm. in order to save his life, mm-hmm. right? I mean, uh, I have opened up my word right now, but looking at Gideon, right? Gideon is hiding out, trying to save some grain that he might be able to survive. He's, th- he's threshing the grain underground because of the, the fear of the enemy, the Midianites that are in the land. And what does the Lord say to him? While hiding out, I might add. The angel of the Lord says, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, other translations will go into how you're a general. Mm-hmm. The Lord called him that. Wait, generals are supposed to be strong, courageous, and lead troops in the battle. How is he going to lead anybody hiding out underground? Mm-hmm. And then look at how the story unfolds where he goes and hacks down the statue 
and then is hiding out yet again. Did it under the cover of darkness. Uh, darkness, Mm -hmm. And then he's hiding behind his dad, who is standing up for him because the people wanted to kill him. But yet the Lord said what he said. And you saw him grow into that. And you see that with, with countless people in the word. Mm-hmm. Joseph, also a slave, sold into slavery. But yet he was used to save, well, uh, the entirety of the known world at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is incredible. And the Lord just does this repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And in the natural, you think, how can, how can this happen? But it always happens under the Lord. Mm-hmm. When we let it. So it's your name or what God calls you is a seed. Mm-hmm. The apple seed has all the power to produce an apple tree, an apple fruit, and everything that's necessary given the right circumstances, given the time of being planted in the soil, warmed, watered, right, and allowed yes. to grow without being plucked up. And as it is given the opportunity to grow, it will become what it's supposed to be. And it will do even better when it's allowed to be pruned and fertilized. And you, you know, does that make sense? And has a clear path to sunshine. So likewise, God gave you, when he speaks to you, that word is a seed, right? We, we know by the sower sows the word, mm-hmm. goes into the ground and it produces some 30 from 60 and 100 fold return. That's the good ground. So when God gives a seed, if you stomp on it, if you pluck it up and eat it, if you let the bird come and get it and carry away, you can't expect there to be a harvest. But if you allow that seed to do what God desires it to do, and you allow God to be the master gardener, the vine dresser mm-hmm. of Kyla or Layla or Charles, whomever, you let God be that vine dresser and cultivate you, then you have within you all you need to produce what he told you to produce. When he said, let there be light, that light is not the sun and the moon, but it's there and it's still doing what it says it's supposed to, what God said it should be doing all this time. When God spoke and said, let men have dominion, it's still working all this time. And he reiterated it after Noah and carried it forth, but it's still working all this time. When he said, be fruitful and multiply, God doesn't have to come down and form each child in each mother's womb. He sent that word forth and it's still working to this day. Yes. So you will be what God wants you to be as long as you cooperate and agree with him. You have to allow him the opportunity to teach you. Because even, we'll go back to Gideon real quick. Gideon was there and wanted to, or went to prepare an offering for the, for the Lord. And then, what's it say? That's in um, Judges chapter 6, verse 20. Is where the angel of the Lord, angel of God, begins instructing step by step how to even just prepare the offering. Gideon had no clue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, but, but the Lord already said these things. You're a man of valor, right? And all these, like, you're going to lead the people. And, but he didn't even know what to do for himself. Never mind lead the people in. Mm-hmm. So I, I bring that up to say this. And, and you were already getting at this, honey. You don't have to be perfect. The Lord's not looking for perfection to come to him. He just come as you are. That's all with a willingness and trust and faith in him that he will do and accomplish in you and in your life and in your ministry all that he said he would do. Mm-hmm. And begin to walk in faith and carry out accordingly, right? David was anointed king long before he sat on the throne, but he had to go, I believe you, Lord, and begin to engage with exactly. God from that perspective. God called you honest. 
then believe God, even if it feels like, man, that sure is hard, Lord. And are you joking with me? But begin to pursue him in light of you called me honest. So I expect to see the fruit of that, God, because you're with me. And that's for all of us as believers. Well, all right. Yes. So we're going to stop there for, for today. And um, with that, can I get someone to close out in prayer, please? I will. All right, Kyla. Lord, we just thank you that you're, you're a good God, God, and you don't need anyone else to be who you are, God. That you created us even though you don't need us, God. And we thank you for taking us as we are, God, and shaping us and molding us into who you want us to be, God. Lord, we thank you for calling the end from the beginning and calling the things that are not as though they are. Lord, we just ask that you speak your word and that it go forth, God, and we know it won't return void. We ask that you keep and watch over our listeners and our partners, God, and their families. We just thank you for keeping all the things that we commit to you, God, and that you you discern the thoughts and the intentions of the heart, God, and you know what's good for them, God, and that you'll give your best for them, God. We ask all these things in your name, Lord Jesus, amen. Faith in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.